0: Hello, Rothpod listeners. Um, we will not have a full episode for you this week, the second half of our podcast episode, Corrupted. But we do have the first half an hour or so of content for you. We hope you really enjoy.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roadie on the Horn podcast. Today is Thursday, July 1st at time of recording. We have an awesome podcast. As always, I am joined by my awesome co-host, my great friend, good man, a man who I was actually just hanging out with last week, so I'm very excited to chat with him again, but it's my friend Donnie, of course. Donnie, what's going on, man? Um,
0: Not a whole lot, still, you know, uh, assimilating back to normal life. Um, Obviously, we were away for a couple of weeks, I was traveling, Uh, you and I were both traveling, and now we are uh, getting back to normal life, my normal life a little bit different than yours right now because I'm about to be moving, Uh, but you know, just living the dream. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, doing great. Yeah, as you were saying there, we both, for the last week, we were hanging out in New Jersey with our friend Dan. That was a good time. I uh, got to see a lot of our friends went to a baseball game, went to a Phillies game. That was a good time. Uh, went to Long Island to visit some of our friends or Islanders fans. Unfortunately, that was for game seven when they lost for against Tampa. So tough for them, but it was a fun time for us. So yeah, it was really just a great trip, honestly. What 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 was, as you reflect back on our trip, Donnie, I guess we can start with this. What, what were some of the highlights for you uh, when we were hanging out out there in Jersey?
0: um you know just definitely enjoyed you know the philly trip was nice because you know we got cheesesteaks cheesesteaks absolutely amazing um you know yep. shouts to you for the, the recommendation on that one considering you know we, got I, I, we I went know, to
1: geno's i know of yep. two, two steak
0: places and we went to one of those two places and it was very very good um the game you know maybe not the best baseball game i've ever seen in my life not gonna lie but again you know that's what you expect when you watch the nationals and phillies play baseball um you know kind of just how that goes Definitely enjoyed that. Um, I don't know, just just the experiences, you know, being able to see. Obviously, we don't see each other very often. So um, even if you um, and Dan did, you know, get on tangents a little bit here and there, I kind of... uh, You know, know, the ad lives on every single (laughs) song ever made, you know, really good stuff.
1: Hand up on that, hand up on that, you know, every song that comes on, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you're just having a good time, you know, with with the boys, so yeah, yeah, it it was a good time.
0: But I can't, I can't complain, you know, I had a good trip, obviously, and I hope to to see you again soon, uh, by the end of the summer, hopefully.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It's kind of funny, our our friend group, how we all kind of came together uh, in this. We're all kind of in like a fantasy baseball league together, and we always play Xbox together. So it, it's kind of funny that none of us really live all that close to each other. So when we do get to hang out, it's always a good time. And, uh, you know, even if it's not as frequent, we, we have a good time when we are together. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it was good stuff. It was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely a good trip to uh, to have had for sure.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I think you touched on it earlier. You know, we, we got to witness the Islanders. Um, you know, I'm not sure necessarily uh, if it's a good or bad thing, but we, we got to watch what I, I saw a lot of people say uh, was one of the worst game sevens in the history of National Hockey League, uh, in the history of the NHL, which I disagree with, obviously. Um, but may, maybe not the best game. Like, obviously, I was enjoying it because we watching in person around Islanders fans who were very invested, so it made me more invested. But apparently, you know, people were not thrilled at the outcome and how that game ended up.
1: Yeah, I I think that series was uh, was just a grind. I think every game that the Islanders were um, either capable of winning, or you I would even include that game seven, they were really just grinding out games. You know, just trying to score ugly goals. That's just typical Islanders fashion. But I, I still unable to get through Tampa you know, two years in a row that the Islanders unable to get past um, Tampa in that spot in the conference finals. So, um, you know, unfortunate for them, but uh, you know, Tampa's off to a good start here so far in the cup final uh, 2-0. They are up in that series as of right now when we are recording. So uh, that's the situation that we have. Tampa's look pretty good. So it definitely seems likely to me that they will be able to repeat, but I mean, their team is just so stacked, like from top to bottom, their team is just so incredible. They've got the high end talent at the top guys like Braden points, scoring every single game. Stamkos, Kucherov, you know, it seems like he gets injured. He's still playing. Hedman, obviously Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, you have the stars, but even the depth, I mean, the bottom six, you know, the end of the defense, you know, the, the bottom D pairs, you know, they're all really good for Tampa. Really good coach, John Cooper. And uh, they, they're managed really well. So, and, you know, if they are able to go back to back, it's definitely well-deserved. And, and they've really just built an incredible team down there.
0: Oh, no doubt. And I mean, we talk about this uh, semi-frequently and how, it just feels like they every year there's randomly just guys that come up and play as if they have played in the NHL for 10, 12, 14 years. Like Ross Colton, for example, who is a, a Rough Rider legend, yeah. um, one of, of one course. of your favorites. He looks like he's a veteran, and he's just some random guy that they decided, hey, you're you're going to the lineup.
1: Yeah, uh, rookie this year. I mean, even just their whole bottom six. I mean, I think like Anthony Sorelli is another guy. It's just he kind of came up and, you know, he's been really good for them. Uh, Coleman was a guy they got in a trade. Yanni Gord. Like all those guys just have so much skill and speed and uh, really just kind of fit their play style so well. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's definitely something, um, you know, they are the model of success that everybody wants to be in the NHL. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about the whole uh, going over the cap thing, which we talked about in the last uh, episode that we made, you know, it's like regardless, this is a Tampa team that you could with or without the cap, and with or without all the help, they're probably still the best team in the league, and I think that's fair. Um, and I mean, I, I we should give some credit to Montreal and the Canadians because I, if I'm correct, we both really didn't give them a chance in the last series. Um, you know, I, I, you know, guilty as charged, I thought Vegas was going to mop the floor with them. Um, did not end up happening at all, which is surprising to me. But, you know, Carey Price, you know, he's different. Montreal has a lot of production. And I think, so the only thing that I've really figured out through this entire playoff from Montreal is they are going to be a lot better than I thought they were. Like, you know, through, through the, just watching their youth, like Suzuki and Caulfield produce already at such young ages. Like, imagine what happens when they're in their prime. This could be a Habs team that is maybe, like, I don't know, one of the better teams in the league for the next half-decade, decade
1: here. I think the Habs really kind of surprised a lot of people, and you're right, they do have a lot of kind of young talent, um, that has kind of elevated them. But I mean, I even think on the other side too, like some of their veterans, like Eric Stahl and Corey Perry, I think have been pretty solid for them. So, uh, I think that, you know, as I was saying with Tampa, obviously they're very well, um, deep and, and have an incredible, you know, team over there, but Montreal, that was, that was something I remember. And before we even started the playoff run that, uh, I kind of looked at Montreal as like, well. I mean, if they can, if there's anything they can really kind of hang their hat on, it's their depth, um, uh, really kind of their entire forward core and defense. And then of course, Gary Price, one of the best goalies in the league. And that really, you've, you've seen that, uh, so. Much throughout the playoffs. So I think that there, there's bright things coming for the Habs for sure, but uh, I think they've just had a really good balance of that. You know, younger players coming through, like Caulfield and Kakanyemi, like you're saying, and then some of those veterans as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, not to write off Montreal, but like the series has not gone their way so far uh, as expected. I mean, I think had, had we done a podcast a couple of days ago, we would have been saying, oh, yeah, Tampa and five, Tampa in six. and six. I think that's still probably right. a fair assessment of where we're at right now. Agreed. Um, uh, but but like regardless, you make the Stanley Cup, you you have to have some sort of, there has to be a cohesive you know balance of getting to that point. It's like we saw last year with Dallas, um, maybe a different situation because of the bubble and all that. But still, they had a great run and they played good hockey. Like Montreal is doing everything they've had to do, and they have not had any breaks. Like they are the eighteenth, they were the eighteenth ranked team in the league this year, which means they literally had no chance to have any home ice in any series they played in. Yet they have consistently done. And they have met the assignment and gone way above expectations. And, like, if you're a Habs fan, this has got to be just a, a dream come true for you, considering your window seemed to be, you know, closing pretty quickly last year, two years ago. And now you're just like, oh, like, this, this team could be good.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely surprising. I definitely didn't think they were going to get through Vegas. I think that was a big surprise um, that they were able to do that. You know, maybe benefited a little bit uh, that one game when Marc-Andre Fleury kind of gave it away, and then uh, Josh Anderson scored again in overtime. But uh, even still, I mean, I you know, that was just one game, obviously, in the series. So, um, yeah, I mean, credit to Montreal on that. But, yeah, as you you also kind of brought up, don't think they're going to get by Tampa. But a good run we will probably be getting into uh, some offseason talk in the NHL here shortly. I mean, there there is kind of a lot of news, honestly, at least in a, in a block. Blackhawks front um, as we kind of transition away from from the active hockey. There's a lot of Blackhawks news that came out uh, in the last few days, so I guess we can shift over to that here. Uh, I'll start. Duncan Keith, he's got some trade rumors around him. Uh, I think it's pretty clear over the last couple years, Duncan Keith has not been playing the same quality of hockey that he did back in 2015, 2016. Uh, I think that was probably towards the peak of what Duncan Keith could produce, but at this point doesn't seem like he's been able to produce as much, but there is some talk that there may be some teams in Western Canada. Oh, wow. One of my favorite topics, NHL Western Canada teams, what, what defensemen are they going to trade for? We love it. But yeah, maybe Duncan Keith moves out there, so that's something to watch. Jonathan Taves as well, news about him coming out that uh, unfortunately he was you know dealing with a lot of mental stress uh, and, and issues uh, in the last year, but it seems like there's potential for him to actually come back so he, he said that he was appreciative of um, you know some of the people that, that were able to give him some privacy, so that was really good to see. It was, it was good to see some news from Jonathan Taves on that front. And then uh, last thing about the Hawks, that's come out unfortunately bad news. Uh, they see Seems like they've been covering up, uh, unfortunately, some sexual assault allegations against one of their video coaches back in 2010. So um, there's still an ongoing investigation there, but um, definitely seems like some murky waters uh, on the legal front for the Blackhawks as well, especially with some of even their top executives that are still there uh, that may be involved in that. So, yeah, a lot of Blackhawks things that came up. So I wanted to kind of touch on those here uh, as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll address those real quickly. Obviously, Duncan Keith, don't know how they're going to move him for any assets. If they got assets back for Duncan Keith, I would be shocked. You know, you would think that this is what he did. Blackhawks, if they can get rid of Duncan Keith and spend the money on anything else, that's like a, is a massive victory for them. So obviously, you know, that's a huge help. Jonathan Taze, obviously we want to see Jonathan Taze play hockey. Uh, especially considering, I thought he's had a, a career renaissance almost. Like he's been much more... Um, I don't know what the word is productive. He's but he looks to be as, as good as he ever was. Like the last time he was playing, which was, you know, um, the uh, semi-recent, I would say, you know, obviously two years ago. And then finally on the sexual assault thing, uh, I think we've made a, we made a point here to, you know, not necessarily say anything before, uh, we get the full amount of news and it's still a really murky situation, but man, it is just, just, just it's very, very sad to see the consistent, you know, just, random little bits of news here and there that are just so shocking and so like, I, I don't know. It's like these things that shouldn't happen in professional sports, especially for somebody like that who is, I, I mean, like, a, like a, a fixture in the organization, I would say, like somebody that everybody in the organization knew. And it's like, you know, apparently a lot of people knew about the uh, said situation. We're still waiting to see more details. But man, like obviously as a Blackhawks fan, you have to be sitting there like, yeah, this is just... This is not really something that I, I know how to respond to. I don't, I don't know how you have any words, like, what do you say about that?
1: Yeah, no, it, it's pretty stunning. Uh, good good conversation about the Blackhawks. One thing I'll say on the uh, Jonathan Taves thing, um, it was chronic immune or inflammatory response syndrome. A lot of words, unfortunately. But basically means his immune system was uh, not responding properly. So kind of wanted to amend what I said on the deal with Taves. But seems like there's a chance that he should be back. So that's definitely a good thing. So uh, yeah, some hockey thoughts there. Any other thoughts for you around the NHL or hockey in general uh, before we move on, Donnie?
0: You know, outside of seeing, we, we've seen a couple of coach hirings. Obviously, the Rangers hired Gerard Gallant, and then Seattle hired Dave Haxtell, um, which we, I think we have a question on later in the podcast, so we can discuss that. But, you know, the coaching carousel, it never fails to, you know, bring back random guys that we have that don't really like, I, I don't know, like the, the recycling, the resurgence of random coaches that have been in the league forever. Um, you know, if if there's one thing you can bet on the NHL offseason, it's that some coaches are gonna get jobs um, after being fired from the job a year or two ago, and it's gonna keep happening until they decide, hey, I don't want to play, I don't, I don't want to coach anymore. Um, and you know, Dave Hacksaw especially is a oh great, like like woohoo kind of hire, especially for a team that is you know. We're talking about a team that's brand new, probably will not be the most talented roster considering my my assumption with Seattle is, you know, we're probably not going to be at the point where we're going to be handing a Seattle team a bunch of talent as Vegas was handed. I could be wrong, and I, you may disagree with me on that, but I'm assuming that Seattle is going to be significantly worse than Vegas is, or Vegas was at least when they first came to the league.
1: Yeah, I I think that's very fair. So, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, Coach Carousel, it, it, a lot of those names continually pop up. But I like that Gerard Gallant hire a lot for the Rangers. I, I think that was – I was glad to hear you bring that up. That was definitely a name that I brought up a lot whenever there was a head coach opening. I was like, man, get Gerard Gallant a job. So I thought that was a good team and coach fit there uh, for your team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't mind the hire. Gerard Gallant is one of those guys that probably should have been hired this year in one of the openings. Um It didn't end up happening. He took a year off hockey. Then he won the Worlds with Canada, as he should. It's Canada. They should never lose a tournament ever in the history of hockey. Um, But, yeah, you know, it'll be definitely interesting to see. It it should be an upgrade on what they had previously. Obviously, they had, um, you know, you hire a college coach. It's really, you know, you're hoping to develop and maybe not necessarily looking to, you know, win at all. And I think, you know, they're definitely in a position, the Rangers, where they need to start trying to win games. And I think the front office and especially – uh Dolan and gang are you know getting tired or fed up of watching them lose which is fair I think Rangers fans in general are tired of watching them lose and I mean it's like any sports fan especially like even you as a Blackhawks fan you have to be sitting there like oh you know when is it gonna get better especially because you saw so many good years there and I think the Rangers are in a similar, similar situation it's like the Rangers were competitive for a long time maybe not like the best team in the world they were not at the Blackhawks level but you know it gets to a point where I guess I do understand where Dolan and them are coming from like oh yeah, we need to. We need to start winning games here. Like this is this is kind of ridiculous, especially with all the luck that they've gotten through draft and all that. And so uh, I think Galant makes a lot of sense
1: yeah definitely agree good analysis on that one so yeah there's some thoughts on hockey i know we'll definitely be getting into some baseball basketball uh all that good stuff in some of our questions but one more thing i want to bring up before we get into our questions for this episode big news actually out of the ncaa this week some name image and likeness news it seems like college athletes are going to start to be able to profit off their own selves which sounds insane that that's a real thing that needed to come until now to happen but it's true people can profit off themselves in the ncaa now that's good news i was really excited to see that your guy dr king actually donnie he seemed to be kind of at the forefront he already released some merchandise i saw that so that's obviously a big win for pretty much everybody there was no reason why college athletes shouldn't have been able to profit off themselves at any point but it's a thing now so i was really glad and excited to see that
0: yeah i did see Deere king came out with a little line or whatever he has his own logo which is uh you know interesting if he, he's a I don't know what do you call him a potential Heisman candidate this year. Maybe yeah, He's I think that's fair. Yeah, um, if if Miami is good and he plays well, you know, wouldn't be shocked to see him up there in the running. But man, uh, you know, Reggie Bush, it's time. It's time to, to stop. You know, treating Reggie Bush as if he is a Brian, somebody that that broke the rules and and killed the sport. Like yeah. you know, just give him, give him his, uh, his his awards back, and you know, let us let him start going to SC football games again. Let, let's come on guys like like let's think about it here i saw somebody say this so he took 300 grand from from boosters or whatever to play at usc he somebody said his estimated through his college career his estimated profits if he had even able to sell merch and like do autograph settings and all that would have been anywhere from four to six million (laughs) dollars so you know reggie bush could have had four to six million dollars in college yet you know, he he took a couple hundred grand so he could live life, and you know, I I understand. You know, there there were rules in place, but I I am fully here. I'm supportive of the whole. We need to uh just just give him his awards back. Obviously, give him his Heisman back, and let the man live a life. Um, uh, being recognized for how good he was rather than you know taking some money to play football in college.
1: Yeah, I agreed with that. Reggie Bush actually had more severe penalty against him than AJ Hinch, who was the manager. Of the oh team yeah, who yeah, of course, and won the World yeah, absolutely. Series, so. Let me let me just yeah. note that, but yeah, We, we love our on our baseball. Yeah, we love uh, our baseball. That's uh, that's Rob Manfred always making an appearance on on our show in a in a poor light. So appreciate that one, Rob.
0: Yeah, I don't think Rob Manfred ever comes on in a, in a positive man. I don't think Rob Manfred ever does anything <laughs> right, and you know, it's not all his fault. But man, he's not good at his job, and that's fine. Like it's something we just got we gotta recognize.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's shift over to our questions this week. we got a bunch of regulars asking questions on our show. That's awesome. We love people who listen to our show and ask us questions. You guys are the best. So we'll start, of course, Rob Podcast. Listen for Captain Scotty G, the man, of course. He's got a bunch of questions, as he always does. So we're going to start in baseball. So that's good that I got to give Rob Manfred his, his jab, and then we'll talk about his sport. But here we go. First one from Scott. He says, Where did the Giants come from, and did you expect them to be this good? So yeah, good thought here. I mean, I think the San Francisco Giants are certainly one of the biggest surprises in really, like, all of sports uh, this past year. I don't know where that came from. That's your question here. Uh, I mean, a lot of their veteran guys have been really good. A lot of guys we thought were washed, like Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria before he got hurt. I mean, it's been stunning uh, where they've kind of been able to, to get this from, and their pitching from uh, guys that I didn't really think were all that good, like Dace Glafani and Alex Wood and Johnny Cueto has been good in his start, so it's been really surprising to me where the uh, Giants have been able to position themselves in such a good division with the Dodgers and the Padres in your division. Very stunning, but uh, definitely didn't expect this from the Giants, and uh, you know, I'm interested to see how long it will last. Uh, I don't think I really view them even as a World Series contender, even though they've been clearly one of the best teams in baseball so far this year, but um, I still don't necessarily buy that it'll turn into October success, but I mean, you can't really deny how good they've been so far this year. Donnie, you watch a ton of NOS baseball over there with the Dodgers what's kind of your thoughts on how the Giants have been this year
0: um you know the Giants have had a weaker schedule than, than a lot of other um high-end teams in the league uh albeit you know that doesn't really matter considering you have to win games regardless of who you play you're still playing decent baseball teams it's like even you know the Pirates are 29 and 50 right now the Pirates have won 29 games this year that is an abysmal abysmal baseball team so you have to manage to win games when you do play them um You know, definitely credit to uh, the pitching is first and foremost, like, the the biggest thing. It's like Gosman looks like a Cy Young candidate. Dave Scalvani's been very good outside of pitching against the Dodgers. Um, As you said, uh, legend, Al Wood out here grinding. Cueto's pitched great. The bullpen has been surprisingly positive, considering it's a bunch of no-name idiots. Um, (laughs) No offense, if if any of the no-name idiots happen to listen to the podcast, which is it's not happening, so it doesn't matter. Um, But yeah, a a lot of random players, and again, like you know, as you said, Buster Posey, guys like that, Evan Longoria, who are out here renaissance career type. It's wild. I do think they will run into some issues down the stretch playing the Padres and the Dodgers. They are 3-8 this year against the Dodgers, I believe, um, which is not ideal. And they do have to play the Dodgers at least two or three more series. So I would say that's going to be a, a tough one for them. Considering the Dodgers are better than them, I would say, um, 9 out of 10 times. But yeah, you know, definitely credit. I think the Giants at this point, they're 21 games over 500, so that is... Um, Basically, you're clinching a wild card spot at this point, unless they have a total collapse, which would be very, very hard to believe, considering they're still playing good ball. Um, yeah, definitely the surprise uh, of the league this year. I don't think they're gonna end up winning the division. I don't think they'll end up being second, but I do think they'll end up being a close third um, and, and being a wild card team, especially considering uh, we talked about this in, in our season preview. The NL is really bad. Like the NL, NL, baseball is really, really mediocre this year. I don't know if yeah, you, uh, you know, looked at things, but there are a lot of teams that are sub 500. That, that you know, as we mentioned, like earlier, the Phillies. The Phillies should be better than a 500 baseball team, I think. Like I could be wrong in that, and they are they are five games under now, which is you know, I guess not shocking because of the Phillies, but yeah, you know, the Giants are definitely in a position to where they will, at the very least, cruise into a wild card spot. That's a dub for them, considering you know this is a team that looks like they're rebuilding at least.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good analysis. And I'm glad you brought up there how the NL is so mediocre. Literally the NL East. The NL East gets me mad every time I think about the NL East. Because take any team in the NL East. And I could tell you that they could finish first in the division or they could finish last in the division. And I think like the most underdog, like surprising is like, well, you probably couldn't say like the Marlins are winning the division. Like, yeah, I don't think the Marlins are winning the division, but the Marlins run differential is like plus 40 and everyone else is like bad. Like I don't don't understand this division at all, the the NL East. So, I mean, not that this was where the question was but you brought it up there, Donnie. I think kind of back to get myself on track cause the NL East, it pisses me off. So I had to address it since it was brought up. But back to the giants, I think kind of the better thought Is neither of us really see them as kind of keeping up this success in October? Like, what would it take? what would it take the Giants to, you know, have happen for us to start taking them seriously? And I think kind of the only thought I would have is if they had a big-time splash at the trade deadline. I'm not even sure who necessarily that would be at this point. I feel like the trade talk hasn't been that hot yet. But if the Giants go out there and trade for, you know, a significant, huge, big-name starter or a huge bat in the middle of their lineup, you know, maybe I start to take the Giants a little bit more seriously, but I still think that the Dodgers and Padres definitely have the upper hand um, once we start to get, you know, into more competitive baseball as the summer goes on.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the Giants would have to add what I'd probably say a starting, like a high end outfielder. And I don't know, maybe like upgrade on like Donovan Solano type player to, to where they'd have a strong line. And then they'd also have to have their lineup be healthy, which is, you know, definitely easier said than done, considering that is a, with older teams, especially I feel like in baseball, we see a lot of injuries and a lot of just random, like, you know, the 10, 15, 20 days out uh, at a time. And we're seeing that right now with, I think they're missing Belt and Longoria, as you would know, via fantasy. Um, so, so that that definitely does not help. Um, just years, years like this, where if they have nagging injuries or guys that miss months at a time, the Giants are one team that cannot afford to have like, guys like that miss games. Like, as good as, you know, Steven Duggar has been or Lamont Wade Jr., it's like, you know, we're at a point where, you know, you kind of have to rely on your big dogs. Like, the guys that are getting paid big money and, you know. If the, if the Giants don't have those guys, they could run into some major issues.
1: Yeah, agreed with that. I think that's good analysis on the Giants. Uh, so next question from Scott. He says, what's wrong with the Dodgers now? I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration from Scott. But while we're on the topic, NOS, Donnie, how, what are your thoughts on how the Dodgers have been so far this year? Have you been a little bit disappointed with their play to this point? Or uh, what's kind of your assessment of how they've been so far this year?
0: I mean, they they had one stretch where they had really bad baseball there, so it's definitely like the majority of the season when they're playing, they're playing good baseball and they're winning games. Uh, they do have some, some um, issues. Uh, obviously, they've had major injury problems this year, and now there's a Trevor Bauer scandal um, situation that we will talk about probably next week when there's more information. Um, but yeah, all in all, I'd say the Dodgers are playing pretty much to, to be expected. It's like most teams when they lose, so it's like the Dodgers have missed. Corey Seager's been out for over a month now. Cody Bellinger's missed about forty games this year, thirty forty games this year, um maybe more. Maybe I I can't tell you the exact amount. Um Muncie was hurt. Turner missed a couple games. Uh you know the only player that's really been consistent in the lineup this year is Chris Taylor. It's like Mookie Betts has been underwhelming, uh, albeit you know it's Mookie Betts you're gonna get good performance out of it regardless. Um but yeah you you would just expect uh, down the stretch once these guys start catching their uh. You know, catching their wave a little bit. It's like Max Muncy's having the best year of his career. He's literally the best first baseman in baseball, um, outside of maybe Vlad. So that's that's definitely an ideal situation for them uh, in terms of his production. He's literally leading every category. The